0: Lord, would you guide this time so that you might be exalted, Father. We've trusted that you've been having your way, having your prayer and announcing what's happening in the rhythm of our body, having your way in our time of prayer, having your way with song and have your way in the preaching of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to show you some pictures. These pictures are clear to some. They may not be clear to others, but I'm going to guide you through them. Picture number one is of a very expensive car. Yes, I have that outside, and you can't ride in it. Um, (laughs) Very expensive car. Something that uh, catches the eye of a lot of people, grabs their attention. Uh, Folks would be drawn to this car. Very expensive. The next car is a little bit cheaper car, a little bit on the budget side of things, Um, this car looks like it's in pretty bad shape and on the outside it would lead you to believe some things about the quality of this car. The next is a really good looking engine. This is an engine that's clean, got some, some, some power to it, and judging by the looks of the engine, you could be safe to assume it's dependable. It's gonna get you where you need to go, when you need to go. This last one is a picture of a bad engine. That one, you don't wanna drop nothing in it because you ain't getting it back. This one leads you to maybe have a few questions, you worry a little bit about reliability, you, you might just want to drop the hood down. If I had to ask you a question, and the question was this, which would you choose between an expensive car with the bad engine, or the cheap, kind of beat up looking car with a good engine, which would you choose? Hmm. Hmm. So I'm 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 a, I'm gonna be real with y'all for a little bit. It 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 depends. I'm gonna get you, Micah. I probably won't, but I love you. Um, go ahead. We'll g- g- give me your answer, Micah. You picked the bad card. The good. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell y'all, it, it, it depends on which Leon you're asking. <laughs> See, if you ask 45-year-old Leon, Leon that has experienced a car breaking down on him, Leon that was ready to go to that appointment and then the car didn't work, Leon that's been through some failures with cars, you know I'm picking that cheap car with a nice engine, dependable. I need to get there. It's, it's clear. It makes clear sense. But if you ask 18-year-old Leon, Leon on prom night, Leon, you can have the engine. I'm going to put a bike under that thing and be pedaling because I'm rolling up in style, baby. I'm trying to tell you I don't care about dependability. You see 18 year old Leon's decisions and the way I make a choice is a bit more immature. And sometimes our level of discernment will match our spiritual maturity. And Jesus wants to speak to that. He wants to speak to a people Love him, that walk with him, and that sometimes make choices based on what we see, and our sight can be quite off. We've been in a series on evangelism. We've been talking about why it's important to tell people about Jesus. We've been talking about why it's important for folks to experience Jesus, to know Jesus. And today, what am I trying to unpack? I'm trying to unpack. Why we choose to share the gospel with some people over others. And why that can be extremely problematic. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. We're going to look there. Because our goal is for people to experience Jesus and we don't want to be a people who choose some over others. We want to be a people who recognize the beauty of who God is and we share him with all. But we got to expose, excuse me, some of our temptations. Mark chapter 10 and we're going to start in verse 17. Mark chapter 10. If someone gets there, you can let me know what page we're on. 1441, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. It says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. This man walks up to Jesus, chases him down, sees him, falls on his knees. Forgive me, y'all. I have felt amazing this whole time. I walked outside and my allergies was like boo boo. So if I sound like I got a cold, I didn't until 30 seconds ago. So please forgive me. I'm healthy. We I'm I'm feeling good. This man walks up to Jesus. He's humble. He falls to his knees. He acknowledges Jesus as a, as a good teacher. And, and maybe I can try to start some of my argument by the posture of this leader. Y'all, some of the people that we engage with and that we don't share the gospel with are nice people. They're good people. Excuse me, not good. They are kind people. They are people who seemingly at times have it all together. They are people who sometimes from the world's standard get an A+. You've got some co-workers. Some co-workers who probably give more than your Christian friends. You have some co-workers that may do community service more than your church members you have some co-workers that maybe spend time resting and meditating more than you and I pray and they don't love God they don't ascribe it to God they don't believe in God but they maybe have some rhythms that the world would deem healthy you have some people that are from the world's standards good people And sometimes what can happen is our willingness to break into a person that seems good from worldly standards to break into their world with a Jesus is like, why? Why would I do that? What is the impetus for me to do that? Why would I do that? It sometimes is way more clear, though, when you can see clear brokenness. If you see a person that steals. Oh, it's clear they need Jesus. If you see that woman on the block that you like, do she love her kids? Because the way she talked to her kids make you think that they are her, her enemy. Like, 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 oh, it's clear she needs Jesus. That guy that, like, dot, dot, dot. See, there's some clear indications of brokenness where you're like, man, I don't know if I'm the one but I hope somebody goes share Jesus. What about the people who are seemingly good? I like that Jesus responds back to him to help him get some some clear understanding because even though he pursues God, asks him this question, he's asking this question out of humility, and he's asking the big question, kind of the question we all as believers hope somebody asks us. Don't you and I at times, like, like, like you know you're supposed to tell people about Jesus, but wouldn't it just be real helpful if someone came up to you like, hey Dave, can you tell me about Jesus? Wouldn't that be the easy lob for evangelism that someone just came up to you? Tell me what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds in verse 18. He says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Jesus is is taking this man where he is. He's, he's, He's saying, wait a minute, you understand the scriptures, you understand the word, you build your life on the word, and so you know that the word says, man can't equal God. That God is only the pure one. God is only the one who is good. So you know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you should not steal. You should not give false testimony. What's Zellus is say in verse 19? You shall not defraud and you shall honor your mother and father. Father and mother. He says, Here's the basis. Here's the standard. Here's how you enter into this thing. And so Jesus gives him a foundation. How does he respond in verse 20? Teacher, he declared, All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. I I love Jesus' response to this man. Because Jesus does something beautiful in that he exposes how this man is thinking. But he also doesn't have to Smack him with it, doesn't have to hit him over the head with it, doesn't have to say, you fool, you're trying to keep all those laws, what's wrong with you? He allows the law in and of itself to show him how he is struggling, but also helps him with a subtle challenge. It's one thing you lack. Go sell everything. Sell it all and give to the poor. Sell it all, give to the poor. Sell it all, give to the poor. It's actually not one thing. Jesus is exposing two things. He's exposing that this man has not observed the two biggest commandments. Love your God and love your neighbor. So sell it all means I'm willing to give you everything, God. It's all yours. You can have it all if it means that I get to be with you. And guess what I'm going to do with it? I'm going to bless somebody else. Will we be willing? That's a big ask. But it's one that clearly shows his heart. Go. Sell everything you have. Give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Let me ask you a simple question. This man was rich. Rich. Seeming to be ethically sound, seeming to do what the society would expect him to do. But he still had a great need. What was his greatest need? He needed Jesus. Still, with what seemed like a really healthy life, what was missing was Jesus. You see, I, I, I'm grateful for, for the depths of commentaries and the Bible dictionaries and the conferences, but sometimes I've learned my greatest lessons reading Jesus' storybook Bible or peeking in to one of the kids' classes upstairs. You know when you're a child and you're learning about God, 98.9% of the answers are Jesus. <laughs> sometimes it's that simple and, 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 and family I love that what God is helping us see is that it is a problem when a person seemingly has everything seemingly is trying to do everything but love Jesus that their greatest need, that the emptiness inside of them, that they actually are not getting ahead, they are not getting closer, they are not almost at the point of eternal life. They are far from it. Far from it. And it's something that we struggle, struggle with. Something we struggle with. Look at what he says. He says, Hold on, I want, I want to read this stat. I'm going to prove to you that we struggle with it. Uh, Pew Research gave this, this study, and they looked at a lot of different things, but they said, uh, what does it say here? That across America, 55% of people say rich people are more likely than average to be greedy. You're like, uh, eh, that's not a, that's, yeah, I can kinda see that. Rich people probably, probably, probably are a bit more greedy. 43% of people say rich people are far more intelligent than others. Now, now now it's starting to have a little bit of a different effect, right? Like, like like if you go to engage with somebody, studies show that if you go to engage with somebody and you think somebody's bigger than you, the way you prepare is one way. If you think somebody's smarter than you, the way you prepare is another way. What does that do for you as you consider the gospel? If you think the person that you're about to go talk to is smarter than you, how do you prepare? Does it give you more excitement? Oh, yeah, this dude's about to out-talk me. Let me go talk to him about Jesus. Does it create a, a fear inside? Does it lead you to second guess? If you think, if we think that rich people are more intelligent than the average person, the next stat says 42% of people say that rich people are more than likely are more hardworking than the average person. Why, why, am I, why am I throwing out these stats? I'm throwing out these stats because we, at times, begin to allow another person's life to dictate our gospel response. And it is not simply us. The disciples was going crazy with this. Look back at me with the text. Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Cool, he gone. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, his crew, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? He then goes on to say in verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Hold on, hold up. Y'all didn't see in verse 24, it says the disciples were amazed. Not, not, not amazed, like, wow, he's teaching deep things. That, it, it means the disciples were surprised. Wait a minute. You just sent old buddy away? Hold on. Hold on. You're telling me he got money. And he's trying to live right, and you sent him away? Then what's in it for me? And sometimes we can begin comparing, we can begin assessing, we can begin looking at the beauty of the gospel based on another human being, forgetting that the the foundational aspect of what it means to walk with Christ is will you follow me? Not how much you got. Not how much influence you have. Not how much money do you have. Not how much wealth do you have. Not how smart you are. Not how hardworking you are. Will you follow me? So the disciples were surprised. Oh, he's not... Uh, uh, okay. Jesus had to make it clear. Y'all don't get it? Okay. Verse 26, and they say, The disciples were even more surprised, more amazed, and said to each other, Then who can be saved? Do you see how this connects to a salvation issue? Why do I say that? I say it because we do life in a community. We do life connecting with people. And I pray that you are loving your neighbors. We are loving our neighbors well, but our neighbors are not the only place where we do life. And you, you you see movements of missionaries going out to foreign places and going... I want to see a movement of missionaries in the workplace. I want to see a movement of missionaries towards people who seemingly got it all together. Is that group, is that crowd getting targeted as much as the broken crowd? Do we see that that even though you might look good to society, if you don't have Christ, you are crumbling inside? Do we see Jesus as the answer? I believe we do. But the reason why I love this text, I love this text not because it's a joyous text because y'all ain't really smiled too much in this sermon. It's okay. <laughs> I like it because it exposes us. It exposes me. It, it shows me the things I, that, 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 are, that I prefer, the environment that I would choose. If I could set up who I shared the gospel with, I'm going to tell you, it's a brother on the corner that's struggling or that's knee-deep in some sin. That's my, that's my preference, because for me, I don't like uh, a whole lot of assessing. I like to see right what I'm dealing with, cool, and I feel comfortable in mess. But see right there what I do? I assume that only the visibly broken got mess. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to not see the people that are in the private school with just as much mess as the people in the public school or the public school in this school. Like everything he wants us to see without Jesus, we are all equally broken. And he wants to use his beautiful church to be the reconciling agent. That we see lumberjack, lumberjacks, Leon. We see um, blue collar white collar coming together. Why? Because this church is not choosing. We see Republicans and Democrats coming together. Why? Because we're not like, well, you already aligned with what I believe, so I just, it was a little easier to get you. Yeah, but what about the people who don't agree with nothing you say? Do they deserve the gospel too? Yes. And so, this, this scripture is exposing even how the people closest to Jesus were missing the beautiful fact that Jesus demands the same thing of all of us to come and follow him. Don't get twisted. Don't start saying, Yeah, and he hates the rich people. Nah, you're know, tripping. Because we have example after example in the New Testament of of rich people advancing God's kingdom. We have Joseph uh, uh, of Barnabas. He sold land and gave the proceeds to believers. We have uh, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, He was the one that prepaid for, for the funeral and donated his tomb as the burial grounds for Jesus. We got the sisters who Got their money together and supported all of Jesus' ministry and assisted in his burial, probably donated expensive perfume. Like, like, like so people had wealth. I don't want you to get caught up in 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 in, in that point. The main point is: how do you treat people with wealth? Are they are they in need of the gospel too? Like I'm in need of some air conditioning. Mhm. Yes, they are. <laughs> all right, y'all. I'm going to get you home. Verse 27. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's exposing. He's saying, with man, this is impossible. If you thought that this man would get into eternal life. Why? Why did you think this man? You thought this man because he did certain stuff. You thought this man because he behaved a certain way. You thought this man because he said the right things. And you looked at the fruit, and the fruit looked like it was working. It seems like if you do what the Bible says, now you flourish financially. So it seems like he's got the perfect equation. He's saying, no, no, no. See, it was never about what man does because man cannot do a miraculous act in and of himself. God has to to be the one that initiates a miraculous act and makes the impossible possible. Man's good works can't take you from death to life. Man's wealth can't buy you access into eternity. And so the crux of the message is that All things are possible with God. But you got to follow him. You got to come to him. You got to follow him. Follow behind him. No wealth gains security. No wealth will give you access to heaven. No wealth will guarantee your health. We can go down so many lists of good things. I know people that are super kind, more kind than me. I know people that serve more, serve more than me. I know people that are help more, more than me. People that are give more, more than me. We can keep that list going. Y'all know these attributes. Some of you have friends, family members that you you pray for because they are good people. And to some degree, they would say to you, why well, do I need your God? Why do I need your God? I'm doing cool. Life's good. And sometimes we, we, ask, we ask that question for them, looking at how pretty their life might be or how put together it might seem because once you sometimes peel back that curtain, you start finding out, oh, everything that looked pretty ain't, ain't, ain't what it was. Yeah. Y'all done watch the curtain? No, I'm just playing. Um, that's what reality TV shows us, though, right? It shows us the brokenness of people. I'm not the super fan, even though I do, like, hood stuff. Like, but But, but you get a facade, and then sometimes you pull back the curtain, and you see the brokenness. That's the reality for all of us, even those that are fooled and are thinking life is perfect. Verse 28, then Peter, Peter spoke up, "Well, we've left everything to follow you. Verse 29, truly I tell you, Jesus, Jesus replied, no one has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and, and the gospel. It will fall to receive a hundred times as, as much in this present age. Homes, Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and last will be first. Jesus is always flipping our understanding of what it means to get ahead. You can strive for that success. Do it. I want you to be about it. But if your aim is to achieve it without Christ, it is hollow. And if you get there, if you're on that journey, and if Christ blesses you, if your aim is now to be in a place with other peers, I don't care if your aim is just to move in the next year, or if your aim is to get a new job in the next year, whatever you do, you're going to be in the area of some new people, and when folks find out what you've been able to accomplish, will you give God praise for it? Will that be a part of the story? I, I, I know a part of our history as Macav is this beautiful mix of people who've lived in Detroit forever and people who've moved to Detroit. And when we first moved here, our first two to three years, folks knew that I wasn't from Detroit. I don't know. Maybe it was because people from Cleveland are just cooler. I don't know. So um, I know I'm going to take some shots later. Come on. You can get me. Um, but... But, but one of the things I loved is, is when people would say, Pastor, like, like, or Leon, where'd you grow up? And I'm like, Cleveland. And I'm like, oh, why'd you move here? Simple question. Why'd you move here? Now, I could be like, oh, man, you know, like our family was just trying to do something new. And God's been, but it was an easy springboard to say, oh, man, we moved here because God led us. Let me tell you how. We move here because we wanted to be about something bigger than us, man, something about God's kingdom. We wanted to, like, like that question got asked a lot more often in my early years, and as the time goes on, it doesn't get asked as often, but sometimes it does. And you have a question that is a springboard into you talking about Jesus. I don't care what, why did you start your business? Tell me why do you raise your children like that? Why do you discipline in that manner? You can't go. You need to call your husband first and talk to him about it. Why are you talking to him? Why are you talking to her? Like, like why do you uh, uh, live, why do you do life? like? There's always opportunities for the Christ in you to shine and someone asks you and well, we use it as a springboard. will will we tell them? You're going to be in a new environment and God's giving you a new opportunity to reach new people or maybe he's giving you a new opportunity to reach old people. Either way, let's take advantage of it. Let's allow his name to be glorified. Why? Because of this last verse, John chapter 14, verse 6. We're going to end on that now. Highly quoted verse. When somebody gets there, let me know the page. John chapter 14 verse six. John chapter 14 verse 6. 1536 is our page number of family. And to my family at home, I pray you rocking with us. Amen. John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one. Not a nice person that does good things. Not a person who tries to keep all the rituals. Not a person that's uber wealthy. Not a person that's uber poor. Not a person that's... It, it takes Jesus. Whatever you have, it takes Jesus. Whatever you want to do, it takes Jesus. And so, if you see a person living life for whatever reason without him, share them. No pressure, but out of love. Why? Because we want people to know the way to God is through Jesus. That he is the one that is the pathway to the father. He is the one that allows us to be reconciled to our creator. He is the truth. Why? Because there's a lot of people claiming truth out here. That was the same in, in, in the day of John, in the day of the disciples. Everybody was claiming to have the way to God. And he says, no, I am the truth. The truth. Not, not of many, pick your, pick your way, the truth. He says, I am the life. I am the source by which believers experience the resurrection. If you want eternal life, bruh, follow me. That's what he's saying. And we get a chance to say, hey, you want eternal life? Come with us as we follow the king. Family, I'm encouraged by you. I'm thankful for you. I hope you didn't feel attacked. I hope you felt passion. I hope you felt excitement. I hope you felt love. And I hope you are empowered to go out and share the gospel. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for exposing maybe some of us think of people that seem to have a good life and we don't get as passionate about reaching them but maybe some of us are the people. Maybe we're the ones who have the statutes and we try to do the right thing and, and we are flourishing financially so there's not instability in our lives and life is pretty okay and yet we don't have you Lord wake us all up wake us all up Lord I pray that we would reach everyone from the person with the most stable life to the person with the most unstable life that we would not be choosy and that everybody would get the gospel fairly expose us though for our temptations to prefer some over others we love you Lord